Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to the Curzon Film Podcast. This week we're getting festive as we preview the 62nd London Film Festival, which will be taking place from the 10th of October to the 21st of October, featuring over 200 films from over 70 countries across 14 cinemas in London and one in Manchester. We'll also be hearing from two of the festival's programmers, Kate Taylor and Michael Blythe. I'm Sam Howlett and joining me this week are Kelly Powell. Hello. Ryan Hewitt. Hello. And Stephen Ryder. Hello. Uh, so before we talk about some of the films that we're looking forward to seeing at the London Film Festival, let's hear from the people that have put it together. Stephen, do you want to introduce this one? As you were the ones that spoke to Yeah, uh, I spoke to Kate Taylor and Michael Blythe, who are both uh, two of the lead programmers at the festival, along with Trisha Tuttle. Um, Michael focuses on the court strand, and Kate kind of oversees a lot of other things. Uh, they were both absolute pleasure to talk to. There is a bit of an audio change halfway through because uh, of technical reasons but um and there's a bit of a jump to us talking about widows kind of in media res but uh it's a great conversation yeah okay so here is Stephen talking to kate taylor and michael blythe so uh, i'm here with kate taylor and michael blythe from the uh, bfi festival programming team thank you very much for joining us today guys thank you for having, having us. us and uh, i know it must be a very busy time for you at the moment uh, with the festival just uh, coming up and, and how do you guys kind of feel at this at this point in the festival is it a nervous kind of excitement or do you feel like most of the hard work's been uh, been and gone bit of both I would say um, I think there's a definitely a kind of nervous excitement um, I think everyone's at that point now we just want the festival to get underway yes we just want to be there we want to be showing the films we want to be meeting the filmmakers mm-hmm. you know we want it all to happen but there's still a fair way to go before that Mm-hmm. That that takes place. Yeah. We simultaneously want it to be right now and maybe have another month. <laughs> <laughs> Two months. Two maybe. months yeah. would be good. I yeah. guess once it's rolling, it's kind of like, and you're in the middle of it, you could just kind of, kind of swim, swim with it, see where it takes you. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You yeah. spend about nine months keeping lots and lots of secrets, and then once they're out in the world, it's. I mean, it is an exciting time now because people are discussing the films, uh-huh. and it's kind of like, yeah, you've you've set it all in motion and then the audience can decide yeah so. yeah well that's kind of what i wanted to ask like in terms of um, um programming i was going to ask how you guys kind of see uh, your role do you see it as a matter of you know good taste and that's what a programmer needs or do you see it as a matter of knowing your audience and knowing what the london film festival audience needs i think it's absolutely a combination but um you know london is a, a hugely metropolitan um city it's a really cine literate city mm-hmm. it's um uh, a place where you've got um, different appetites to satisfy. So um, obviously when you see a film and you become very passionate about it, that's partly to do with taste. But you also have to be very aware of the limits of your own taste mm-hmm. and your personal biases and maybe your personal prejudices if there are certain types of cinema that you um, know that excites you and some that you don't connect to so much. So that's why it's a really um, large programming team. So it's not just the decision of um, you know one person if a film is in. Basically, when we see a film that we like, it's then referred to uh, another person. So there's always at least two people who've seen the film so that we can then discuss and really argue the case for why a film's there. Because you don't want any film to be in the festival that... Yeah 
you don't have someone who feels strongly that it has a place to be there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you say kind of argue, are these uh, are these discussions that you guys have in the in the rooms at the BFI kind of heated? Um, do they get kind of, uh, or are they very diplomatic? Uh, they're not heated. <laughs> you know, we, we're passionate. I mean, for me, and I think for. Um, you know, for, for a lot of most programmers, you know, it's the selection process is the most exciting time. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's the time talking about these films, arguing about these films, mm. you know, saying why you think this film has a place in the festival is, is so exciting. And it, it forces you to, to question your own taste as well. And I think that's a really important process. You're yeah. constantly having to think about why you're responding to something and then kind of feeding and bouncing off other people and seeing if that's something they respond to too. And like Kate said, I think ultimately... You know, it can it can be a challenging thing to separate your own tastes and kind of think from audience perspectives. But I think it's a, it's a balance of the two. I think you know people want to see the personality of the programmers coming through as well. Absolutely. So, you know, it's 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 definitely a, a fine balance, but a very fun one. Yeah, that's really nice to hear. It's really nice to hear because I guess. Um, you go. You grow up as a film lover, kind of um, watching these films and wishing you kind of uh, had a whole group of people to discuss them with. And you guys are kind of now living that dream and kind of being able to then recommend these films to people. It's one of the reasons I'm so interested in curation is because it's basically you getting to recommend these brilliant films to your friends. But obviously, you guys are doing it on this big scale um, where you're also getting to work with filmmakers and get important work I think seen um, by audiences and it's, it's really great I think how the, the festival kind of champions that yeah and I think that's one of the great things about when the festival itself kicks off is seeing how audiences resp- respond to these films and when people come up to you and they talk to you about the films whether they loved them whether they hated them um, it's always so stimulating to then get this next layer of feedback this next layer of conversation so talking about these films never stops mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know it's not like we program the films and then that's the end of our of our job it, it, it continues and you know you um, people respond very passionately, very excitedly, very angrily sometimes to films. And, you know, it's fascinating to have these conversations. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Kate, you come from a uh, from a short film background, uh, from the London Short Film Festival. You actually kind of um, started that off here in London. Um, Indeed, yeah. Do you, moving to kind of feature films, um, do you think there's challenges moving from short films to kind of programming feature films? Um, well, there's, there's different things in terms of the industry around short films and and features. When you're um, programming shorts, you often have a very direct relationship with the filmmakers um, because they don't have a huge um, like commercial life. So there aren't that many kind of distributors. Mm-hmm. It's it's much more focused on um, you know people trying stuff out, kind of new talent kind of coming through. And obviously at the festival, we still have kind of lots of. Um, short film programs and a short film competition which we introduced I think four years ago yes yes I remember um but with features uh I suppose the main main difference is that you're working um very much the the festival is part of um an ecology um and we're aware of wanting to support um obviously British talent Mm -hmm. um on an industrial level as well as a um you know obviously we want to champion the artistic merits of the work but we also are very keen for films to get distribution and to be seen by um people who might buy them and take them on to um uh, to cinemas and to kind of to other festivals and to, to play internationally and that's true of the British films and also I mean when we uh, start the festival actually when we finish the program it's normally about 60% of the films that don't have any distribution at all so we're very aware that a lot of these films this will be their 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 first chance you hope they'll get they'll get more but to be seen by um, audiences in the UK so that's quite a big responsibility to make sure that you're kind of representing as many countries as possible as many different types of cinema um, and giving those films of different scales uh, yeah. an opportunity to be um, to be seen by people who might connect with them. So uh, yeah, we were just sorry talking about uh, widows, and you were saying that the um, the the it harkens a lot back to the old television show, the Linda Leplant television show. Well, I think it's uh, in, in inspired. I think it's inspired by, um, but it's obviously. A totally different beast in terms of it's incredibly uh, contemporary, and I think that the some of the pleasures from that show are there. It's a really cracking script this time uh, uh, from Gillian Flynn, uh, who did Gone Girl. Um, but this one, uh, it's so it's full of the twists and turns and kind of the genre thrills. Uh, the kind of uh, 
the heist moments, but it's also got something really, um, really exciting and complex in terms of how it teases out class conflict and racial conflict. And the story is um, four women whose uh, husbands were all bank robbers, Uh, Viola Davis playing... um, uh, the the lead and her husband was um, Liam Neeson, and at the very beginning of the film, this there's a big heist that goes wrong, and um, whilst all the husbands are uh, perish, um, the women then have to um, band together, and they've never really met each other before, and to um, take on a kind of one last big job that uh, Liam Neeson's character has left the, their plans for, so. Um, so yeah, as, as you say, it's a really cracking cast, but there's also um, a lot going on beneath the surface, as well as some kind of pulpy, pulpy thrills. Uh, this is uh, something new from uh, from Steve McQueen, then, um, which sounds really great. No, I can't wait for that. It's going to be a good one. And uh, other as a Peterloo as well is something that I find very interesting with this uh, year's festival, because obviously you've got a. Um, screening of it outside of London. I think it's going to be the first ever London Film Festival premiere outside of London. Can you talk about some of the uh, kind of motivations behind that? Absolutely. Uh, yeah, so Peterloo is um, the story of the Peterloo Massacre, which is something which strangely hasn't been really captured in, in feature films before and is, you know, such an integral part of, like, Manchester um, history. Um, we were really delighted to be um, screening it at home in Manchester, where it's, uh, which is, you know, which isn't a million miles away from um, uh, Peter's Fields, where uh, the event took place. This one felt important to us as well because it's a real, um, to some extent, it's like a summation of a lot of Mike Lee's themes and interests, um, things to do with uh, kind of class consciousness. There's a real kind of humanism there, and then there's also. Um, there's a there's a, a strong theme of rhetoric and how um, people become politicized and how their their you know their suppression gets articulated and what that does to you like how that um uh yeah how that how that politicizes people uh, into action um actually activism is quite a strong theme across the program but in this, there's this, um, this great sense of uh, a kind of big patchwork ensemble of people's lives, working class lives, families who are just trying to get along, finding themselves suppressed. And um, yeah, it just felt very important that, that we were able to, I don't know, to, to screen it where it happened, but also at the same time it's screening um, uh, nationally at the same time. So that that first screening is going to be across the UK, um, live cast into cinemas. That's absolutely fantastic. Um, And I think it's going to be great for something like Peterloo, especially. It seems the perfect film to kind of take outside of London and show to the rest of the country. Um, And it seems to be part of this spate of films at the moment that are looking back at the past politically in order to say something about the present. Um, and I think there could be no other director kind of better than, than Mike Lee to kind of uh, move forward with that. Um, and also uh, coming out of uh, some of the other festivals early this year, you've got The Favourite playing as well, the new uh, Yorgos Lanthimos film. Um, it's getting a lot of buzz, a lot of buzz for kind of the end of year awards season as well, um, which is, uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll pop up and a few names will pop up in the acting categories and uh, whatnot. Um, are you looking forward to that one, Michael? Very much. Um, it's a real favourite among the team. <laughs> um, no pun intended. Um, yeah, it's, it's so exciting. I mean, we've we've screened Yorgos Lanthimos's previous films um, at the festival and it's so great to have him back and you know this is something which feels very much him but also feels like a very different side of him a very different version of him um it's absolutely cracking hilarious um witty a little bit nasty it's it's, it's got everything and and the leads are extraordinary olivia coleman in particular in particular is is genuinely a revelation um as as queen anne and i think it's will definitely be one of the most enjoyable screenings at the festival it's um it's screenings are american express gala this year and um yeah it's just so exciting to have it in such a prominent place in the program i remember being at the premiere for um for killing of a sacred deer last year and seeing uh emma stone 
turn up for that. I think she'd been invited by Yorgos. And during the opening scene, she had her hands over her face and couldn't watch it. And I was thinking to myself, and you're going to make a film with this guy. But uh, it's, it's still got that nastiness, which is great to hear. Um, so I thought it'd be a good opportunity for you guys as well. There's obviously been some late additions to the program. I know you'd love to talk about um, and for you to champion some of your kind of favourites uh, that you think are really going to um, hit home to an audience uh, here in London this year. Uh, Kate, I don't know if you want to start. Sure. OK, well, um, one film that um, I'm excited by is Five Men and a Caravaggio. So this is a world premiering at the festival. It's by um, Chinese British director Zhao Lu Guo. And she's a, um, a novelist and uh, has written several kind of amazing memoirs as well as write, um, a, a filmmaker of kind of documentary and fiction. And this, um, the five men of the title are basically four blokes who live in Hackney who are all um, kind of creative people. There's a, a poet, um, a writer, a philosopher and a photographer. And they're all... Um, people who've made London their home but have come from other countries and the film takes place just after the Brexit referendum and um, one of them, the poet, on his birthday he's seen a recent Caravaggio exhibition that he's really kind of connected to so he commissions a artist in China to make an exact replica and um, so then we kind of travel to China and also see um, this guy who's around the same age as these um, men and he's he literally um, does these kind of uh, versions of paintings using his iPhone as a reference and it's kind of in his tiny little kitchen and there's lots in there that's kind of about you know art in a digital age lots of kind of Walter Benjamin stuff but also loads of very exciting um, questioning of what's happening in the UK now, what um, the politics are around migration, what it means to call somewhere uh, home when you suddenly feel like you're not wanted there. And she also teases something out of all of these kind of middle-aged men and their creativity that I think um, it takes... Uh, there's just something very subtle in how you never see her on screen, you never hear her asking the questions, but it, it becomes quite funny and warm, and it's not um, taking the piss out of these men at all, but there's something really quite wonderful about, um, yeah, middle-aged blokes on screen, which isn't necessarily uh, always the case, so this was, was pretty cool. No, that sounds great, actually, yeah, I, you've certainly convinced me to see it, and it sounds kind of, is it, it is, what uh, strand is that playing in, sorry, Five Men in a Caravaggio? Uh, in Create. In Create. Okay, very cool, very cool. And uh, Michael, is there anything that you'd like to bring up? Sure, I mean, it's always one of the hardest things when someone asks you for, you know, a favour or recommendations, but um, a film that I know me, me and Kate saw together and um, we both really fell in love with it was a film called Only You, mm. um, which is in our first feature competition. And it's the debut film from a... Um, a filmmaker called Harry Woodliffe and she's made a film about a young couple who meet and fall in love and then you know their their kind of uh, budding romance faces some challenges when they decide to um, embark on making family together um, it's a it's a really beautifully observed really um, intimate and really um, smart and insightful film and it's got these incredible performances at the center from Leia Costa and Josh O'Connor who are both absolutely incredible, magnetic in these roles. And I think a lot of people will remember Josh O'Connor from God's Own Country, in which it's a very, um, you know, he, he's a very quiet role, very kind of moody role. And this is the complete opposite. He's really energetic and there's such a kind of presence on the, on the screen. And I think it really shows him as one of the most kind of versatile actors that we have working today. So that's, that's a film that, that I really love. No, great stuff. That's, I mean, I thought God's Own Country was fantastic and he seems to inhabit that role so much in that film you almost can't see him as anything else so it sounds kind of fascinating to be moving on to a film such as this one now um so obviously michael you're in charge of the cult strand uh, is there anything in that as well that you'd like to point out or anything in regards to the late editions we were talking about earlier yeah absolutely one of the um one of the late editions has gone into cult which is dragged across concrete um, you mentioned s craig zala earlier whose two previous films We've um, we've screened before Bone Tom Hawk and um, Brawl in Cell Block 99, and this is very much an extension of his work. You know, he makes these quite epic genre pieces, very kind of deliberately paced, very slow, very thoughtful, but also with these kind of um, you know punctuated by these moments of extreme brutal violence. And this is very much the same thing. And it stars Vince Vaughn and Mel Gibson as two corrupt cops doing 
you know, a few bad things. things exactly, yeah. a few corrupt things. Um, again, I think it just showcases as Craig Zahler is one of the most interesting filmmakers working in genre today. He consistently upends expectations. He never goes where you think he's going to go. And he always manages to shock, which for me is really impressive because I often pride myself as being unshockable when it comes to violence on film. But, you know, there's, there's a couple of moments in this where I, I might have briefly looked away. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Quite the revelation. Um, and Kate, is there anything that you would like to talk about as well in regards to uh, kind of favourites in the programme or late editions? Um, well, I think there are a few films playing at Curzon that I could maybe just just highlight, playing at um, either Mayfair or um, uh, Curzon Soho. And one I think um, the audiences will really dig is Keep Going. So this is a film by uh, Joachim Lafosse, who's a Belgian filmmaker. He had a film called After Love in, was it last year? It was, maybe it was in 2016 in the programme. And um, this is a, a story of um, a mother and her estranged son um, who have gone on this trip across Kyrgyzstan on horseback, kind of to rekindle their relationship. And um, the mother is played by Virginie Afira, who I think is a super interesting uh, French actress, who's also in um, An Impossible Love, the Catherine Corsini film in the festival. And I feel she's really an actress that um, the audiences are starting to respond to. And the son is played by um, uh, Casey Mottet-Klein, who people might know from Ursula Mayer's films, um, the Swiss director, who's also, in fact, he's in a film, Shockwaves, Diary of My Mind, yeah, which is also in the festival. So you've got these two kind of actors kind of at their at their peak and the relationship between the two kind of is teased out over this journey across some of the most beautiful landscape that you'll see in the festival. It's playing as part of our journey strand and it's one where you really feel uh, uh, a sense of pleasure in landscape and a sense of... Um, yeah, also a sense of foreboding and the place becoming character. And um, it's just incredibly emotionally astute and the type of satisfying art house cinema that you sometimes just, you just want it. And I feel like we've talked about, you know, like satisfying astute art house and, and brutal violence. And just another one just to mention, if, uh, if people wanted something a bit more lighthearted, <laughs> fancied some laughs, um, The Breaker Uppers oh, yeah. um, is, is, is one to highlight. It's a New Zealand comedy from two female directors. And um, it's about a, a kind of alternative dating agency who, are, um, who people hire to help them break up with their partners rather than to find love um, and it's a real real blast I think it's one of those hugely um, you know it's super inventive it's super funny it's super smart and super subversive um, shot and, and made by predominantly female crew and I think it's one that audiences are going to go crazy for um, we actually we've added a, an additional screening of that one because it sold out so quickly wow. when the tickets went on sale and, um, and we just thought we want to give more opportunities for people to see this one so we had to put in an extra screening that's really great to hear any kind of additional screenings at a festival is a really good sign um there was one film that i'm very very excited about that i don't know if either of you have actually seen um but it's mariel mariano ilnas's la flor um so i'm a huge fan of extraordinary stories which came out 10 years ago now and he's been working on this film since and uh obviously it must have been a bit of a difficult thing for you guys to program because it's 13 hours long it's in 14 sorry i'm underselling it uh 14 hours long it's in three parts and it's by a director that really likes to mess with narrative um have you both seen it and will you both be seeing it and what do you think of it well there won't be an opportunity for us to see it on the big screen alas during the festival because we'll be uh uh, kind of Q&Aing and, and working across uh, across the festival, but um, I absolutely recommend it. He's um, he's a fascinating director that's somewhere between uh, like Miguel Gomez, I think, is a reference point for someone who's playing with form. And I mean, in La Flore, you start off with a, a um, bench um, under a tree, and he sits there and draws you a diagram of what the film is going to be and the different. Um, it's basically composed of six different uh, stories, and the first four stories have a beginning and a middle. The fifth story, I think, maybe has a beginning, middle, and an end, and then the final story has a middle and an end, but no beginning, or something like that. He's, and he draws this beautiful diagram, which is the diagram of the flower. 
If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Thanks then to Kate Taylor and Michael Blythe for coming on the show. We actually had Kate Taylor on last year as well. So this is a nice recurring guest we've got going on. Uh, Stephen, do you want to kick us off with uh, some of the films you're looking forward to seeing at this year's yeah, no problem. London Film Festival? Uh, I like the way you introduced it as the 62nd London Film Festival. It made me think <laughs> yeah. like it was 60 it's seconds a long. long. A I was long. like, we're doing a whole podcast on a minute-long <laughs> film festival? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, sure. So um, the film that I'm probably most excited about that I've been, uh, that's been on my radar for a while, um, and, and weirdly the, the three films that I have, um, brought up here, I've just noticed, are all uh, directed by women as well, um, which is great for a festival, I think, that is pushing for kind of a more uh, gender-neutral kind of thing. Um, I think 30, 38% of the festival's films this year are directed yeah. by women, which is fantastic. Um, but the one I'm looking forward to is called uh, Madeline's Madeline. It's by uh, a, a director called Josephine Decker, who um, I've only seen one of her other films, uh, Thou Wast Mild and Lovely. And I guess she can be described as a bit like a uh, um, a genre or horror-based kind of uh, Terence Malick, um, which is really interesting to me, because I love Terence Malick's style, but often think that he can get a bit lost with his narratives when, when he's not as focused as he should be. So uh, Madeline's Madeline is about a, uh, a young girl who um, meets a experimental art theatre uh, leader um, and they, as they get to know each other, um, it turns out the young girl has quite a lot of mental health issues mm-hmm. and the, uh, the experimental art uh, theatre leader kind of appropriates her mind and her talents uh, for her own kind of gain to put on this this show. Uh, the film's been described as a kind of a jazz-infused fever dream, which is something that I think right. sounds cool. really exciting. Yeah. Um, and the way she shoots is very kind of... The editing um, is very choppy. She does a lot of kind of shots from the back of people's heads and follows them through, a lot of point-of-view shots. And I think it's just going to be, uh, if, if not narratively, a very exciting visual kind of uh, film. So I'm really excited for that one. Josephine, her films are quite hard to see in the UK, aren't they? They like are, Butter yeah. And the Latch and yes, like, they the are. You mentioned Butter of the Latch. I haven't seen, but I, I hear it's excellent. Actually, yeah. a more more of a horror film than Thou Wast Mild and Lovely. Um, but I managed to find them online, and um, I genuinely think they're worth checking out. Um, they're quite short as well. Mm. Um, they're only a, around kind of eighty minutes or mm-hmm. seventy minutes, so they're, they're well worth checking out for people uh, before they come to the festival and see Madeline's uh, Madeline. This does seem like it could be the breakout. I really hope so. I hear the I hear the lead performance of uh, Helena Howard, Mm -hmm. uh, who's the young girl that kind of um, Josephine Decker apparently uh, saw on stage somewhere and thought I have to make a film around this girl, and that's how the film was born. Apparently, uh, Helena Howard's performance is absolutely incredible uh, for a kind of a a newcomer to the film scene. So that's uh, worth worth looking out for if you're interested in performances as well. I think. So the other film I'm really excited about is a film called Touch Me Not, yeah. uh, which won the Golden Bear at the Berlin Film Festival, which seems like a long, long time ago now. Um, but uh, this is a, a film, by, uh, it's a Romanian film, uh, directed by uh, Adina Pintaili. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. I'm sure I'm not. Um, Adele Dazin. 
<laughs> not a Delta Z. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but this is a kind of uh, kind of docu. I've, I've tried to stay away from as much of the plot as I can for this one because okay. I think it seems like a really enigmatic and mysterious film. But it's kind of a docu fiction. Um, it's been described as an eye opening look at human sexuality about a woman who kind of places a camera down and then I think interviews people about like intimacy and sex. But uh, the people that she interviews are kind of people on the fringes, um, people with kind of uh, disfigurements or disabilities. Um, it's uh, had a lot of negative reviews as a, of a lot of, and a lot of positive ones. So that's something that kind of intrigues me as a film that might be really divisive at the festival. I think it's very explicit. I think it's got a kind of uh, a relationship with the audience that it wants to kind of mm. um, nurture uh, or kind of push people away. And I think it's going to be a really exciting and talked about film at the festival. Um, I'm really glad they've got it, actually, because I thought it, I, I was worried it might kind of disappear after winning mm. its Golden Bear, as a lot of kind of films from Berlin yeah. do sometimes. Mm. So I'm, I'm super happy that uh, that London have managed to kind of snag it, which is great. So yeah, really exciting to see uh, to see that in the program. Um, and the last film is a uh, a film called Out of Blue, mm -hmm. um, which is probably the most mainstream film on here. Uh, it's uh, by a director called Carol Morley, which some oh, yeah. of you might have heard before. Falling. Um, the Falling and yeah. Dreams of a Life. Um, the Falling, I uh, thought, was a really undervalued film from a few years ago. Uh, it's got Maisie Williams in it and uh, a really early turn. I think it was her first role for Florence Pugh, yeah. um, uh, who was incredible in it. And you could kind of see at the time that she was, she was going to be big. Um, and, uh, yeah, The Falling was, was just a really dreamy, um, evocation from it was like a girls' school narrative about all these all these girls who were going through like mass fainting spells and it and it had a really unique atmosphere to it and I think uh, out of blue I don't know uh, much about the plot but it does have Patricia Clarkson in it who I love I think she's a fantastic actress yes. uh, and to see uh, Patricia and Carol kind of working together in a yeah. kind of subversive noir film. Um, that's uh, apparently about existential angst. Uh, <laughs> I can really get down with that. Um, I think it seems. I think it seems really, really interesting, and it's one of the Gala Strand films as well. So I think they're really pushing Carol Morley as a yeah. as a strong a British talent. Voice. Yeah, mm. yeah. I look forward to seeing that one. Uh, Ryan, do you want to give us some of your? So one of the films that I'm uh, very much looking forward to is called Ray and Liz, which is the first fiction feature film by the photographer Richard Billingham. Mm -hmm. uh, it's loosely or as i understand it loosely based on his collection called raise a laugh which is um the picture covers his life in the west midlands growing up as a young boy um with working class family and specifically with an alcoholic father uh it's definitely going to be the kind of raw kitchen sink mm. think ken loach at his most bleak yeah. perhaps but i've no doubt that it will have vibrancy and a a certain kind of eye that only a photographer like Richard Billingham could bring to that sort of otherwise quite tough subject matter. Um, it just seems like right up my street, to be perfectly honest. It's, um, I've heard it's excellent. Yeah, there's yeah. lots of really good word about it so yeah. far. Uh, I struggle with kitchen sink drama sometimes, but I'm actually like really intrigued by that one. Yeah. Mm. I think it's always a bit of a, it can be a bit hit and miss when a photographer or an artist turns their mm. hand to making a film for the first time, but there's something so keen about his eye in his photography that and this being such a personal story I th I've got high hopes for this one okay. I really do yeah yeah sounds good Kelly do you want to mm. yeah uh, one of the movies that I'm really looking forward to is called Burning mm -hmm. by Lee Chang Dong um, and I just I'm very interested to see this uh, kind of mysterious drama unfold in a setting that I don't think we get to see very often, you know, uh, on the near the border of uh, North and South Korea. It was mm -hmm. a South Korean film. Um, and it got really good reviews, it can. Um, didn't it win? No, Shoplifters won. Burning was the favourite. Burning was the favourite yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyway, so I'm just very happy that I get a chance to see it here. Um, I'm uh, looking forward to that very much. Yeah, it's 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 based on a, um, a Murakami mm. short story. Short story. Mm. Yeah. And historically, I, I think Murakami's been quite difficult to adapt. Yeah. yeah. Because well, of his kind of details yeah. and very extended kind of descriptions of things. Yeah. Well, it's loosely. I think uh, pe people have said that it's more more of a, like a jumping off point, like an inspiration. Mm -hmm. um, even though it is sort of uh, it says based uh, based on the short story. I think uh, he he takes. 
I think a few characters and a, a tonal sort of vibe from that short story and goes with that. That's um, cool. Yeah, yeah, it's just very intriguing. Yeah. Um, and um, another one that I'm really, really looking forward to is Paul Dano's uh, debut feature, mm-hmm. uh, Wildlife. Mm. Um, I'm just, I think Carrie Mulligan looks like it's she's going to kill in this film. Um, yeah. And I'm just so intrigued when actors turn direct, and he's so young as well, you know. Such a good actor, such a keen eye for character, um, and I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one. I can't wait for that. Wow, it's, I think it's really tough for a first time director doing a period piece film as well. Mm. So that's gonna be fascinating to see how he handles that. Mm. You know, um, but uh, I think all the all the cast uh, and talent are in town for that one too, which yeah. should be really good fun. Yeah. yeah, it's co-written with his um, partner, Elijah Kazan, isn't it? Uh, Elijah Kazan. Uh, Elia. Wow. No, 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 no. <laughs> the, the on the waterfront Zoe Zoe. <laughs> <laughs> Ostracized from Hollywood <laughs> by his peers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> still, still working today, though. <laughs> <laughs> and married Paul Dana. Yeah, um, Paul Dana's a lucky Kazan. boy. Yes, Zoe yes. Kazan, yes, yes, yes. yes. Uh, she's also in a, in a film... Uh, that I'm looking forward to very yeah. much. That's my third one. <laughs> the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, of course, yeah. Man, the cones are just my favourite. Uh, I can't wait. I cannot wait for this one. They're both in town as well. They're both in town. Maybe we'll get yeah. a glimpse of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, notoriously elusive, yeah. though. But, um, yeah, that, that, that one, I, I think it was conceptualised as a, as a TV series. Um, and it's interesting to see. They, they were like, nah, let's make it a feature. Yeah. And that uh, often goes the other way around these days, you know. Uh, directors and writers are like, no, I couldn't. I just couldn't do it in one, in a, in one feature film. And I wanted to make it a TV so series. Nice and this is like the, way, yeah. the opposite way around. And they're, <laughs> they're, they're very, you know, I just love them. I love yeah. all the choices they make and all the actors they choose. That, the, their characters are... Amazing and uh, yeah, that one is on the top of my list. I think uh, it yeah. looks like they're sticking with their kind of zany sketch comedy Hell Caesar mode. Yeah, yeah. With this one, yeah. right? Yeah. Got screwball stuff. Yeah. yeah, sometimes they do like oh a comedy one and then a serious one. Yeah, yeah. But this time they're, but they're sticking yeah, it's another with... genre. For, yeah, um, I just love their take on you know the American West. Yeah, um, they've just got such a unique sense of humor um, and critical eye when it comes to sort of American mythology. Yeah. So I can't wait to to check that one uh, out. Anthology films are always a bit of a mixed bag usually. Yeah, I, mm. I mean, I'm a huge fan of them because I love seeing them come together. Mm. Yeah. But, mm. To uh, see the Coens do one. Yeah. Mm. yeah. I'm I always hesitant, you. but excited, I think. Mm. Yeah. I think the thing is that they there's always one that doesn't work. Yeah. And then you immediately think, well, I can't love this film because one big yes, part of it didn't exactly. work. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. but yeah. prove us wrong, Cones. Yeah, yeah. it's funny, though, because they did a section in Parish Atem, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Possibly yeah. the yes. best section in Parish Was it? Atem. I haven't seen that. I should check that out. That was yeah, really, do you remember that scene? I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parish yeah. Metro. Yes, yeah, yes. With, uh, yes. and he's playing with the image yes. of Mona Lisa. It's really funny. You feel yeah. like right. the Coens are kind of built for, like, short term short uh, narrative yeah. Like, yeah. things they, they'd be they'd be great at things like commercials and yeah. kind of short films yeah. before other features mm. but they don't do them like as, as often as they should but you feel like they'd be great at it because mm. um, I loved Hail Caesar I loved the kind of chopped up narrative yeah, sketchy part of that yeah. so um, I, I, yeah it should be exciting this one my one of my top picks was a film that was added quite late to the festival and that's uh, Brady Corbett's Vox Lux mm. uh, oh, yes. which yeah. looks really weird and it's got uh, Natalie Portman, and you see her this woman's like rise to becoming a huge pop star. Um, I don't know much else about the plot, but I'm really intrigued by it. Mm. Um, I think Brady Corbett really had an incredible debut with Childhood of a Leader, um, and I'm really interested in, in Natalie Portman's career as well at the moment. So after after Black Swan, after Jackie, you know, she's managed to kind of she and she sort of dropped out of the third Thor film because I think she was kind of like I'm done with doing stuff that I need to do now I can just do only do things that I want mm. and apparently she gives a really weird performance in this which mm. I'm really looking forward to seeing and it looks like she's kind of back to black swan mode in a way yeah, yeah. it does yeah. kind of yeah. it's got that element to it yeah set and set like just before 2000 I yeah. think it's going to be yeah. an yeah. interesting one and uh, also intriguing to see it uh, sort of a side by side to Star is Born and yeah. Yeah. sort of the different takes on, on that yeah. Yeah. Is 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 her character in Vox looks based on anyone, or is it just a unique kind of character? I'm not sure. I think it's just a unique. It's probably based on various different artists. I feel like if you say pop star 1999, 
Britney Spears. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, there's, a, there's a touch of Gaga about. Yeah, yeah. yeah. For, sure. Yeah. for sure. Looking at the pictures. And absolutely. Bowie as well. Mm. Sort of like yeah, agreed. Sort of I actually thought it was hybrid. like uh, taking place in the 70s because of the way she looked. Yeah. But uh, no, it's the it's the late 90s. Yeah. Isn't it? so. well, we've also got Jude Law's in it, uh, Christopher Abbott, Willem Dafoe, uh, Jennifer L. Uh, so it's a good cast um, and yeah I'm just really intrigued with what they do with this kind of much trod ground of mm. seeing a pop star's rise to fame yeah absolutely uh, another film I'm really looking forward to is Birds of Passage uh, which I may have already seen <laughs> um, so this is uh, Chiro Guerra's follow up to Embrace of the Serpent and this is a completely different film to that uh, this time he's co-directed with Christina Gallego and it it's a kind of Goodfellas, Godfather-y gangster film, essentially, but set in this this uh, this community in Colombia, which I had no idea existed. And so you've got this kind of... It's told in, like, five chapters. Uh, it spans, like, 15 years? Yeah, it's maybe? over a decade, isn't over it? About yeah. a decade, yeah. yeah. About a decade or so, yeah. Um, so it's got this kind of epic gangster narrative, but set against the backdrop of this this community where you have to slowly learn what the rules are of this community and what their beliefs are and their traditions and how the kind of the guns and the cocaine and this kind of aspect of what we know of like sort of Colombian drug culture intersects with this more traditional, almost called more tribal kind of um, aspect. And it's really interesting to see how those things connect. Uh, it looks incredible. It's really, really colourful. Because um, Embrace of the Serpent was is it all black and white? Embrace of the Serpent. Yeah. 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 As far does, as I remember. Does the, uh, the hallucin hallucination oh, yeah. yeah. tips into yeah. colour? So, but here he's gone full colour, full technicolour, and it looks glorious. Um, uh, incredible performances and a really, really accessible as well because it's a narrative that you'll kind of know and trust and are willing to go along with without having to work too hard. But you're also, you know, having thrown all this new cultural stuff at you and it gels really well together mm. um, yeah Ryan, I'm, excited, I'm excited yeah I mean it wouldn't be a cousin podcast without showing some love to Mia Hansen love yeah of course <laughs> whose Things to Come was released by Artificial Eye uh, two years ago I think yeah. um, Isabelle Huppert was a really terrific film a real a bit of a grower to be honest I don't know mm -hmm. if I really loved it the first time I saw it but absolutely mad about it now and she has a new film called Maya uh, which is described as a road movie through mm -hmm. India where you're following a journalist who is suffering from post-traumatic stress syndrome uh, from something that he witnessed during his yeah. his work. Mm. And I don't know that I need to know much more than that. Yeah. Mm. It's mere Hanson love. It's going to be quite an intellectual pursuit. It's going to be thoughtful. It's going to be gentle. Mm. And it's going to be everything that we know and love about her. Mm. Yeah, look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, I'm also looking forward to Ben Wheatley's new film, Happy New Year, Colin Burstead. Oh, yeah. Uh, when, I f when this film was first announced, like, nine months ago, it was titled Colin Uanus. <laughs> uh, I've seen people calling it Happy New Year, Colin U Burstead as well. <laughs> like, I, I don't know, know what this film's called. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I, I mean, it's a, I think people at the time thought this was going to be a, a Ben Wheatley take on Coriolanus, Colin okay. Uanus. And right, I think he right. said, yeah, it still kind of is that a bit. But it seems like he's going back to his down terrace roots where it's a bunch of people that meet for uh, New Year's in this big country manner and uh, things take a Ben Wheatley-esque turn. Um, so it's got the um, the guy from uh, Kill List um, and his name. Charles Dance is in it as well. Oh, I saw Charles Dance was in it. That's a draw. <laughs> he's, he's, he's having Neil, a really interesting Neil Maskell. Career. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Hayley Squires from I Don't Know Blake is also in it as well. So it's got a really interesting cast. Um... And um, again, with kind of what you said about Mia Hansen Love, I don't need to know anymore. Yeah. I'm just happy to see a weird Ben Wheatley film. Mm. I'm sure he's going to do something really strange and really interesting. <laughs> it's a world premiere, I think, at the it festival is, yeah. too. Oh, um, cool. No one's seen it yet, so uh, it's really exciting as well. I'm, I mean, Ben Wheatley's kind of a, a, a staple of the London Film Festival at this point, I think. Yeah, he um, is. Yeah. He's been, I think, High Rise and um, Free Fire both uh, yeah I saw both of those I yeah. love Free Fire so much I really disliked Free Fire I loved it I thought it was Ooh, oh, I, I thought it. it was bad but I think I also love it because I'm, I'm biased I'm biased to um, Sholto Copley's character in that, in that film because I totally get him he's a Vern. very very particular type of South African That is, and it, he was he nailed it it was hilarious 
I love that film. We'll talk about this later. Okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, I thought it'd be interesting as well to give a shout out to Dogman. Oh yeah, um, which is uh, oh, yeah. really interesting because it's actually being screened UK wide. Yeah, it's out in two weeks. Mm. Yeah, on the yeah. day of the festival, um, which is a really nice platform for it. I think. Yeah. Um, it's a really like uh, visually, it's a really gorgeous, gorgeous movie, mm. um, and the setting that it takes place in. Super stunning. interesting. Yeah, it's stunning. Um, and uh, the 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 lead performance in it as well is uh, just something to behold. He won. He won. Be- he won one best actor at. Uh, yeah, at Cannes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He's and phenomenal. He is unbelievable. So Ma- Marcello Fonte. Yeah. yeah. Mm. And He's I remember phenomenal. reading somewhere that he he came from a kind of very uh, kind of poor background too, and kind of worked his way up into this kind of role, mm. um, which is really excellent to see. He was very overwhelmed with emotion when he won his award, mm. and you can see in this film that he's he's. Oh. He's really putting everything into it. Um, he's got one of those cinematic faces. Yeah, just, that you just, just thinking of his face, I was just smiling. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. He's got this like, oh, it's so emotive. Um, he's like a Buscemi face. Lots of layers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just want to. So interesting. What? Yeah. He, yeah, he's great. I hope he makes a career from this because Same. he's. I think he's got a lot to give. Actually. I want to see him again. Yeah. Yeah. Did anyone? Uh, we're talking about some of the big gala films. We've mainly talking about the relatively slightly smaller stuff but you've got big stuff like Widows is happening mm, mm, The Favourites coming out Suspiria's finally getting a UK oh, very yeah. excited I cannot Suspiria. wait yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean yeah. only because I feel like I might hate it <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, that's exciting to me. Like, yeah. to, because I've I've really uh, tried to stay away from all the reviews for that one because I didn't want it to be tainted but um, I hear it's very very different uh, from the original which I love um, which isn't yeah. a bad thing I think yeah. it's good to go in a different direction I'm not the biggest fan of Guadagnino, um, but uh, this is, I think, a really interesting movie for him to take yeah. on. Almost double the length of uh, the first the Suspiria. Hmm. Awesome. I yeah. mean, Mortilda. Mortilda. Yeah. I can, I can always, uh, I can <laughs> always do with that. Um, but yeah, I mean, the as as far as the galas go, there's some really big hitters this year. Favorite's yeah. going to be great, I think. Yeah. Um, I hear it's his most accessible film. Yeah, and I'm actually so. also really looking forward to. Um, did, 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 uh, Barry Jenkins' new film. Oh, if yeah. Bill Street, Street could, could talk. talk. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that's going. That I feel one. like it's Moonlight all over again. I feel like this you is think? going under the radar. Yeah. People are like, oh, they're getting distracted by a lot of these kind of big films. But then there's this quiet film that Barry yeah. Jenkins is working on. Mm. And you watch the trailer and you think, Jesus Christ, this looks incredible. Yeah. The trailer yeah. is something else. Yeah. Isn't yeah. It? yeah. The trailer's like a short film yeah. in mm. itself. Yeah. Unbelievable. Mm. And I just think it, it could end up just taking everything again. Like yeah. looking at it, it's just, it, it seems to be a really powerful film. Really powerful. He's just such a good director. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I recently went to see The Old Man and the Gun. Oh, mm. great. Oh, you saw it already. In competition. Yeah. Mm. And it's it's really, really lovely film. Okay. It's good. such a charming, yeah. not an entirely nostalgia throwback film. Yeah. It's more mm. than that. But Robert Redford's eyes, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> they're captivating. You get lost mm. in those blues, you know? Yeah. Uh, Sissy Spacek is, yeah. Those baby blues. Yeah. Sissy Spacek is amazing in it. Um, it's just a really comforting film. The, the likes, the old like Hitchcocks, mm. perhaps a little bit, but really it's like new Hollywood yeah. era and it's really, really warm. And, and it's got a touch of melancholy about it. It's definitely like this is Robert Redford's swan song song, although he's backtracked on that one. Yeah. Yeah. It's not anymore, but you know, it signs off in that kind of way. Um, and I think that this will be a really fun watch for a lot of people. It's not yeah. just people who remember Robert Redford. At yeah. All. yeah, it's just fun anyway. That's such an interesting director, David Lowry. I really don't know which way his career is going right now. Um, after, <laughs> yeah, after, you loved Ghost Story, didn't you? I love Ghost Story. I like, I like. I like Pete's Dragon too, but um, I mean that's an animated like DreamWorks film, and then this is like a classic Hollywood throwback. Like, yeah, trying to figure out where he's going, um, but it's exciting. Yeah, and I'm really yeah. glad to hear that it's that it's uh, such a kind of affecting film, and oh, it's it not is. just an yeah. empty kind of nostalgia trip. I was sat there with a smile on my face the entire that's time. So oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we've also got Peterloo as well, which is going to be the first film at the London Film Festival not playing in London. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's uh, it's Manchester, right? It's Manchester, yeah. yeah. I mean, good. It's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes it, sense. Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, I get that the. I think it's great that the film. Uh, we speak about this in the interview, actually, that they're kind of branching out right. um, to 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 other kind of regions of the UK. But obviously, you can't. It's still got to be in London, else it's not the London Film yeah, Festival. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, but yeah, no, it is great. It is great news, and I I, I think Peter Lee's 
going to be a very uh, engaging film, especially for people interested in that subject. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Uh, does anyone have any last uh, last little uh, festival preview highlights they want to throw at us before we wrap up? Just, just we we talk about this very briefly in the interview. Yeah. But if anyone does have the uh, the time, uh, Mario Yelnas's fourteen fifteen hour epic La Flor is worth. I'm sure it'll be worth checking out because his other films are incredible. Um, but you know, it's in th- shown in three parts at the ICA and then at the BFI South Bank. Um, at least check out the first part, the first half an hour. See if you want to stay in for fifteen. You know, mm. I think it's going to be great. <laughs> Great. We'll look forward to that one. 15-hour film. (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, Thank you, everyone. And uh, so the London Film Festival is playing from the 10th of October to the 21st. You can get tickets online uh, through the BFI uh, as well. You can get some last-minute tickets from the ticket bot office in Leicester Square. Can I add one little thing about the film festival? I'm going to be basing myself at Mayfair and Curzon Soho to Mm -hmm. participating venues. I will be with a clipboard in hand, and if any of our listeners want to come and tell me what they think of the films they see, I would love to hear from you. Um, we're going to try and speak to as many people as we can and just find out who's watching what, how they feel about things. Yeah. So come and, and make yourself known. Great, so that's at Curzon Mayfair and, and Soho. Curzon Soho, yeah. and you'll be there. I'll be splitting a... myself between yeah. the two across the whole festival. Okay, so. so look for a tall man in the club with a clipboard. That's the one. Great. A striped shirt. <laughs> and a striped shirt. You always <laughs> have now you have to wear the All right, uh, well, goodbye from Ryan. Goodbye. Goodbye from Stephen. Goodbye. Goodbye from Kelly. Bye. And goodbye from me. Thank you very much for listening. We'll see you next week. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.